Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. Good to be with you. I pray that you're doing well, always, always, always. And you know, because we were not receiving your emails for a few days because of a technical glitch, um, I'm going to uh, go to your emails for most of the morning. I'm going to read you one very short, very, very wonderful entry from um, the spirit of St. Francis de Sales. Truly, truly wonderful. Um, I'm not sure if it's my favorite. I'm going to let you know in a minute. Um, But it is from the spirit of St. Francis de Sales. And St. Francis de Sales, I mentioned yesterday and way long ago, um, is, was my first patron. My, he is my spiritual director from heaven. And, um, he, I believe, led me and us to St. Benedict. So we are Benedictines. And we have four patrons. We have St. Benedict and St. Francis de Sales, and then their two saints, St. Scholastica and St. Jane uh, de Chantal. We have a great reverence for, um, but our two uh, patrons are St. Francis de Sales, St. Benedict, uh, St. Joseph, and Our Lady of Guadalupe. Go try to fit those together. But they're beautiful, and it's all that God did. And um, I know Our Lady of Guadalupe is not the image of Our Lady that I chose, but uh, she moved in, and I have no say, and I don't want any say. Um, Very, very uh, wonderful, and I believe still living image of Our Lady. Uh, And the only image of Our Lady that heaven painted. Uh, Very, very beautiful. So, I think with Our Lady's help, St. Francis de Sales initially, before we were Benedictines, became my spiritual director from heaven at a special grace. Um, And so I I gobble up everything that he has written. And the book on the spirit of St. Francis was put together by Bishop Jean Camus, C-A-M-U-S in France, who was a disciple of Bishop de Sales. And... um, he uh, wrote down his conferences with uh, Francis de Sales and put them into a book. So this is, uh, he's quoted St. Francis de Sales quite a bit, in quoting even his questions to St. Francis de Sales. I love this book. It's in a couple of parts, and we're just going to be page one, uh, part one, chapter one, and the whole chapter is on perfection generally, and the first point of the chapter is um, charity is the essence of all true perfection. We all want to be perfect, and we can get discouraged because we're not perfect, and if I got discouraged because I'm not perfect, I'd give up in the middle of this radio program because I'm not perfect. And the greatest definition I've ever heard of humility is to see sanely, to see things as they are and to see yourself as you are, not to think more highly, not to think more lowly, but to see yourself as you are. And um, it's an enormous freedom because no matter what we try to protect or how we want to think of ourselves or how we want people to think of us, God knows what we are. And when we have the freedom to be that, it's enormous and it's, it's truly powerful. And love is the way. That's not, we all have tons of faults, but charity is the way, the essence of all true perfection. So let me read this. And as I mentioned yesterday, um, these are the size of a page, really short. Some of them are a little more than a page, some of them a third of a page. And I'll read this morning's. St. Francis, this Bishop Camus has said, St. Francis used to say, 
I hear of nothing but perfection on every side so far as talk goes, but I see very few people who really practice it. Everybody has his own notion of perfection. One man thinks that it lies in the cut of his clothes, another in fasting, a third in almsgiving, or in frequenting the sacraments, or in meditation, in some special gift of contemplation, or in extraordinary gifts of graces. But they are all mistaken. So it seems to me, because they confuse the means or the results with the cause. The means or the results with the cause. For my part, the only true perfection I'm reading now, for my part, um, St. Francis de Sales says, the only true perfection I know is a healthy love of God and to love one's neighbor as oneself. Oh, I can't tell you, beloved, now I'm departing from the text, how when I first became a Christian and I read First John 4, chapter 4, I think verse 20, where God said, you cannot love um, God whom you have not seen if you do not love your neighbor who you have seen. Oh my goodness, it devastated me because I could think of a particular soul that I didn't want to, I didn't love, I didn't want to love. I just couldn't bear to be around that person. I just, they just drove me up a wall. Good soul, but drove me up a wall. And I, I did love her. I knew that. And God's telling me, I said, I was standing in the middle of my living room and I said, Lord, how is this possible? You won't accept my love for you if I don't love someone like that? That's, I don't love my brother. Now I'm not talking about my physical brother, but people. And I don't even want to. Oh, It was a year later that I even began to understand that because we had somebody come to our church uh, who was very special to actually the pastor that uh, brought me into Christianity before I was Catholic. And I had such high love and respect and regard for him. And one day I met a total stranger that he loved and brought into the church. And when I met that stranger, to me, I immediately loved him. He was immediately precious. Why? I didn't even know him. He was precious because he was precious to the one, to the pastor that I loved and admired and was grateful for. And so he became precious. And I said, now I thought back a year before that to that verse. I said, I got it now. How can I say I love you, Lord, if I don't love those you love? What kind of love is that? I got it. Not an easy lesson, but I understood it. And so St. Francis goes on to say, without these, without, um, excuse me, I've got to say, the lighting is not, without these, there can be no real perfection. Charity is the only bond of perfectness, perfectness between Christians, the only virtue that rightly unites us to God and man. Such union is our final aim and end, and all else is mere delusion. No virtues, says St. Francis, no virtues, however great they seem, are worth anything without charity. Not even such faith as could remove mountains or understand all mysteries, which has the gift of prophecy or speaks with the tongue of men and of angels, which bestows all its good to feed the poor or endures martyrdom, all in vain without charity. He who lacketh charity is dead while he liveth, and all his works however fair to the eye, are valueless, seen from the point of view of eternity. Some frightening statements. They're beautiful statements when we see them and desire them and want to strive for them. We can't chop ourselves up for not being there yet. But we want to strive for them once we begin to see them and see their beauty. St. Francis de Sales says, I grant that austerity, meditation, 
and all such practices are admirable means whereby to advance toward perfection, so long as they are carried on and in through charity. But it will not do to seek perfection in any such means, rather in the end to which, I'm sorry, yes, it will not do to seek perfection in any such means, rather in the end to which they do but lead, else we shall find ourselves halting in the midst of the race instead of reaching the goal. All right, so here we go. I think it takes a minute to get that. St. Francis says, It will not do to seek perfection in any of the means. You see, we don't seek perfection in the means, but in the end. And the end goal is charity. You see, um, and some people would say the means are the ends in the making. I think that's a good statement. The means are the ends in the making. Okay, I'm going to save the next one for tomorrow. And tomorrow is my favorite one. And I'm going to tell you now, I'll give you a peek. Um, it is the best way to perfection is hearty love of God. And we say, but how do we love God? And saying, for how do we love God? And St. Francis, his answer is too good to be true. It's my favorite statement of everything I think he's ever written. So I'm going to keep you in suspense till tomorrow. And I am going to go to our calls and our emails um, right now um, and try to make up um, for the days that we weren't here Hold on a minute. Okay, one moment. And so you are welcome to call in, beloved, toll-free with anything on your heart or text at one 511 5483 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at com. Now, if you call in, I generally take calls before emails, uh, rather than keeping you for two days on the line, um, if you're calling about something that we're speaking about, you don't need to. It could be anything on your heart. But if it has to do with a comment I made or or a confusion about the situation we're speaking about, go ahead and call, and I'll take you right away uh, as soon as I'm ready for the next call or email. So our first one is from Deb, who writes, Hello, Mother. I have several Catholic friends who attend a weekly Bible study with their Protestant friends. What are your thoughts on this? Do you feel it could cause confusion? Please advise. Pax Christi, Mother. The peace of Christ. Well, my thoughts are exactly what you said. It can cause, not only cause confusion, but it will cause Catholics to become Protestant unless they're very, very strong in their faith. And if they're very strong in their faith, why on earth are they going to a Protestant Bible study? Because they will understand that the differences between uh, Catholicism and Protestantism are not merely doctrinal statements. They are a way of seeing everything, the way of seeing the church, the world, Christ, everything. And a Protestant will not see that way, that a Catholic will. And so I would, um, I would, uh, I've known Catholic women. I, I've been all over many conferences and I meet Catholic women who are going to Protestant Bible studies and they're all excited about it. Some have told me they even become leaders and I say to them, are you still Catholic? Oh yes, yes, I'm still Catholic. And I say, why are you Catholic? Why are you Catholic? And one of them took a long time to just stand there in silence and think. And she looked at me and she said, uh, because of the Eucharist? And I said to her, are you asking me? She said, no, no, no it's because of the Eucharist. I said, what is the Eucharist? She said, well, it's, it's the body of Christ, right? I said, are you sure? She said, well, I'm really not very sure, but just in case I'm staying Catholic. It's terrible. And so there are many Catholics in the church who are Protestant in their heart. And 
that's what I think is going on with your friends. There's if if there if there are several Catholic friends who attend a weekly Bible study, you get those Catholic friends together and start your own Bible study. Just Catholic. Go to Catholic scripture studies. Much that Scott Hahn has done. Much, and I, I the names are escaping me, but uh, CCS, Catholic Scripture Studies. I wish my my book on the uh, Bible study on, the, on the, the Gospel of Luke, it takes you through all four Gospels and the Jewish roots of our faith, and I shouldn't have said that because it's out of print. Um, uh, we need to get it into print again, but there are many, many, many um, good Catholic Bible studies for women. For women, Catholic Scripture Studies is um, is very good. Um, uh, something a little simpler, but Scripture Study and very good uh, series of books is, I think, uh, published by Emmaus Road and uh, Curtis Mitch's wife. I think her name is Stacy Mitch, Mitch M I T C H, and she's published several books for women that are studies. So uh, take a look at that because. Um, uh, unless uh, those Protestants want you at their Bible study to teach them about the Catholic faith in what you're reading, which they're not going to want, then um, you're doing no good for yourself, for Catholicism, or for Protestantism. We have Joe on the line from Pennsylvania. Are you there, dear Joe? Yes, I am, Mother. How you doing? God bless um, you. And um, go- you're really... Uh, a great witness to the Catholic faith. I've always watched DWTN from the time that you were had your shows, and mm. you're really an inspiration for me and inspire me. My question is, is that you know my wife and I have been married 37 years. We have seven children. Uh, I have a brother that's a Roman Catholic priest in the diocese, archdiocese in New York. Great. And uh, my <clears throat> kids, for whatever reason, and they were brought up strong in the faith. Uh, you know, like to pick and choose. Some don't even go, well, most of them don't even go to church now. Wow. Because they feel, uh, why do I have to, like, you know, my, my brother who's the priest tries to talk to them, but, you know, he does it lovingly. And my one son says, well, why do I have to go to you to confession when I could just go to Jesus and confess? And it's just <laughs> really frustrating, uh, you know, because, like, you know, they're all uh, older adults, and... Uh, uh, like every once in a while, like I'll send them a text message, you know, like today's a holy day of obligation or, you know, whatever. But is that too much or should I just stay humble and just pray for them quietly and offer it up? I was just recently diagnosed with um, uh, cancer a couple weeks ago, mm. and I, I'm going to use it as a great gift. I mean, actually, I gave all praise and glory to Thanksgiving to our Lord because I could, you know, use it to unite with Jesus on the cross for them. Yeah, and um, you know, Joe, bring them back hopefully. How you, how a soul like you, so in love with God, so on fire, it could raise seven children and have them leave the church is a a great, great mystery, Joe. But let me say this: um, they're not in the church. If you remind them, it's a holy day of obligation, but they're not in the church. Um, right. I would not stay quiet. Absolutely not stay quiet. Um, when they answer you, try as much as you can, uh, when you can, when the opportunity arises, if you have them over for dinner, you go to their house, you're on the phone, you're in, whatever it is, and they, um, and they say, uh, why do I have to go to confession? I can just, I can just go to Jesus. I would, I would I would make them responsible for their statements, Joe. I would say, tell me what you mean you can just go to Jesus. I just confess to Jesus, and I'm forgiven. I would say, who told you that? How do you know that? The scriptures say so. Where? The scriptures don't say anything like it. My Protestant, no. pa- my Protestant pastor told me that. Well, why do you trust your Protestant pastor? Do you know there's been... Over 40,000 denominations in less than 500 years since the Reformation against one Catholic church that Christ founded that has stood for 2,000 years. Don't argue, but make them accountable. Well, the Bible says so. The Bible says so. Tell me where. Show me where. 
make them accountable. Well, Jesus himself said to Peter, upon my rock, and whatever you loose on earth or... You we know, know that, that, Joe. It's no, right Joe. I mean, no, it's not right yeah. there. I was an evangelical Protestant trying to save Catholics for 18 years, and I could, I we would bring that verse up. We would easily go wow. around that. There's no verse you could wow. bring up that my Protestant pastor uh, didn't deal with. There was no verse that right. was a threat. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Nothing that deterred us. We spoke. We didn't ignore wow. it. We spoke about everything. Have an answer for everything. It's blindness. But it's yeah. what we learned. But it's what we learned, and I was thoroughly sincere. So somehow, your children didn't get it growing up. However, why ever, what cause, the home, the culture, the individual human beings, I, who knows. But what I would do is not fight them. Um, not right. say, well, how do you know that? I would just say, tell me, how do you know that? Well, Jesus said so. How? How do you know he said that? The Bible says it. Where in the Bible? I don't know. I'll find it. Okay, that's fine. Find it. Let me know. Because I want truth. If it's there, I want to understand it. Make them accountable. Make them accountable. Exactly. All right. You know what's sad, though, is uh, what's so sad is that we have such a beauty in our church. And, and really, what's really disheartening is like, you know, like just watching different things going on with them. Like, my brother's a very orthodox priest, and, uh, you know, he he does both the Novus Ordo and also the, uh, you know, the Latin. But what's so sad is that why do we even have to water down our beautiful faith when we, we have don't. everything at our disposal? And that's what's been happening in the last 50 years of the church. It's so sad that... It's tragic. You know, like what's going on? It's tragic, Joe. And God help us if we water down the faith. We are commissioned exactly. to teach the whole counsel of God. We have no authority to water down the faith. So shame exactly. on those who do. And and if they're shepherds, their eternity is, ext- is at stake for leading souls astray. But I would say concerning your children, um, yes. you can tell them that you've been diagnosed with cancer. You're not uh, down about it. You in good Catholic fashion, are offering your sufferings to Christ on the cross and you're offering it for your children, but you could say to them, you know, in your heart, maybe not in theirs, because now you might be looking at your end, whether it's 20 years from now or a year from, we don't know these things, but now you have eternity in mind and you don't want to refrain. If you, you could say to them, if I somehow messed up in raising you, that all of you would leave the church that you were baptized into, the church that that I love, the church that uh, our Lord established. I, I don't know what I did wrong. I want to know that. But would you allow me, whatever time we have left, let's get into exactly. a study together. Let's get in. Get uh, Catholicism and Fundamentalism by Carl Keating. That's your book. Okay. Okay. All right, Joe. God Thank bless you. So much. you. And if you could just pray for a private intention for me, um, I, would I will really do that. that I w- you are very powerful. I spoke to you a couple of years ago on uh, I- Catholic Answers, and you're uh, wonderful. Thank oh, you God bless you, Joe. God bless you. And there's our music for our break, everyone. So feel free to call in during the break with anything on your heart, toll free or text one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. St. Zelie Martin, mother of St. Therese of Lisieux, said, How mistaken are the great majority of men. If they are rich, they at once desire honors, and if these are obtained, they are still unhappy, for never can that heart be satisfied which seeks anything but God. If you've been blessed with the financial means to support Catholic Radio, your donations can now make an even greater impact as we strive to bring the fullness of truth to our world. Please check with your employer to see if gift matching is an option for you. If you are retired, be sure to check with your former place of employment, as some companies will even match the donations of their retired employees. Thank you for supporting the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, uh, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. And um, we are now for the rest of the program. Um, We've got a whole half hour all to ourselves. Our phone lines are wide open. So feel free with anything on your heart. You can call in anonymously or it doesn't have to be what we're speaking about. It's what's on your heart. Toll free or text at 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Let me see now. Where are we? We have an email from Jack, and again, uh, there may be a few emails. There are a few emails I'm reading um, that we're going through now that came in uh, last week when we weren't able to feed the emails through, so I apologize for that. Um, Jack says, Dear Mother Miriam, I have some questions about angels. If each of us is given a guardian angel at conception, what happens to our guardian angel if we die before birth or when we die after birth? Okay, there's three questions here. Let me see what I can do with that one first. Our guardian angels remain our protectors until we are face-to-face with God. And so uh, when we die, um, they uh, if we die before birth or when we die after birth, um, you know what? I that I cannot answer you. I don't know that um, the angel is st- still with us. Uh, my my, I, what I've read is that the angels protect us from the devil, from everything until we are in the presence of God. Um, even those who go through purgatory, the angel continues to assist them until they are in. And in union, full union with God, that's the angel's job. And so in the case of um, uh, babies who die prior to, earth, to birth in the womb, babies that are aborted, babies who die after birth, crib deaths, or prior to being baptized, the church has never spoken authoritatively on what happens with those little unbaptized infants so I can't speak on it. But um, we know that the judge of the whole earth will do right, and the God who created them will do right. And so whatever happens to them, um, uh, they're a- until they are at that final stage, their angel is with them. Uh, as he is with us until we are face-to-face with God again, even if we go through purgatory. Uh, second question, are a- we need an angel expert here. Are angels still being created? If not, is there a possibility of running out of guardian angels? Oh, I love this. Before the end of the world. 
Uh, I do not believe they're still being created. I, I, I think scriptures say that the heavens and the earth and um, everything was created at once and the angels were created prior to the earth being uh, inhabited or, or founded. So I don't know. Um, but I have a feeling there's a third of them left and there's still plenty. A third of them followed Satan uh, and fell from heaven, fell from God and turned from him. And there's still plenty of angels, so much so that the Jewish uh, theology is that every single blade of grass has its own angel. Isn't that incredible? So I don't think God is still creating them, and I don't think uh, we're ever going to run out. And, you know, um, in one sense, I would wish we would run out of angels. In on- We won't, but only in that I wish we had enough babies to run out of angels. Contraception has assured that if we can run out of angels, we won't. But that's just an aside. That's not theology. Uh, We won't run out of angels, no. Uh, Number three, could it be that guardian angels are recycled? Oh, this is too too wonderful. You know, um, once the guardian angel, our guardian angels given to us at the moment of conception um, are with us until we are uh, in our final destination. Um, and so after that, um, uh, you know, none of us will be in our, let me just uh, venture this, none of us will be uh, in our final des- destination with our full bodies until the second judgment, until the final judgment, until the general judgment. Um, so, um, but we're in heaven before then, let's say gone through purgatory, our angel has helped us, we're in heaven. I don't imagine we need our guardian angel in heaven. I don't know what happens at that point, but um, uh, will God give them to others? It's, I guess it's entirely possible. Uh, they're not going to be retired. So I, I don't know what happens at that point to the angels, dear ones. Uh, I love your questions and they're worthy of good answers. So there's a book on angels published by TAN, T-A-N, and it's uh, called um, Angels. I don't know the full title. It's a pink little pocketbook about that thick. It's it's excellent. And um, the first half uh, describes all through Scripture, and uh, the book of Hebrews speaks about the angels and their choirs of angels and the levels of angels as messengers more than any place in Scripture. But it goes through all of Scripture on angels and shows us the um, levels of angels, their jobs, their functions, the higher-ups, the lower ones, all of that. It's very, very good. In the second half of the book, pretty much, are stories about angels. I remember specifically when I read it how the story of St. Isidore the Farmer just really pierced my heart. It was so wonderful. St. Isidore had a beautiful devotion to the Eucharist, the Blessed Sacrament, and he would go to church on his lunch hour. He was a farmer, and he would plow the fields. He'd leave his plow on the field, and he'd go to church to adore the Blessed Sacrament. And one day, he was there adoring our Lord, and he just couldn't bear to go back to work. So he sent his angel to plow the field, and the angel went, and people saw the angel plowing the field. That's one of the reasons he's a saint today. It's just so, there's such beautiful stories, stories of people in the congregation of a church seeing when the children were going up for their first communion, seeing them accomplished by their, uh, accompanied by their guardian angels, seeing the angels accompany each child. Just beautiful. Okay, and then Jack says, I enjoy your program and appreciate your orthodoxy and love of our beloved church. Thank you, Jack. Thank you so much, dear one. Um, We had a call uh, off the line, I think it was also last week, from Lucille in Massachusetts, and we're going to get to her call immediately um, after this next break. Um, And you're welcome to do that, beloved. You can always call and leave a call off the line. Uh, and that call will be in the order of uh, that it's received. If you have a live call and it's a, a more urgent question or you're on the phone, then I will get to you sooner. 
Um, so there's the music for our second break. It's going to be very short. Call in again with anything on your heart or email or text or just stay around. We'll be right back. The number is one 511 5483 and the email is mother at com. The Station of the Cross offers online tutorials to help you get the most out of your iCatholic radio app. You'll be introduced to our latest features and the opportunities available for not only listening to our live stream, but also to a variety of podcasts of our shows, prayers, and special presentations. For these tutorials and more, click on the iCatholic radio link located on the Stations page of our website, thestationofthecross.com. If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download to your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community. Connect with us through social media and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer to St. James the Greater. O glorious St. James, because of your fervor and generosity, Jesus chose you to witness his glory on the mount and his agony in the garden. Obtain for us strength and consolation in the unending struggles of this life. Help us to follow Christ constantly and generously, to be victors over all our difficulties, and to receive the crown of glory in heaven. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. Good to be with you. This is our last segment, but we have over 15 minutes together. Plenty of time for you to call in, and our lines are wide open. Um, I'm going to take uh, the, the what we started to take from Lucille, Massachusetts. Lucille in Massachusetts, um, it, it, she called last week and left a, a comment offline and says, Would Mother please recommend to some people who call in that they seek a good Catholic therapist? Spiritual directors are great, but a good Catholic therapist can help you in other important ways. Uh, Lucille, I agree a thousand percent. And in fact, I think it was on yesterday's program that I did recommend someone see a Catholic therapist. Uh, You know, some people, there's such a stigma some people have about going to a therapist or speaking to um, um, professionals in their field. Uh, I recommend it 100%. Uh, The person doesn't absolutely have to be Catholic, but it's so much better if they are. So much better if they are. And so, um, yes, a Catholic therapist, you can call Catholic charities in your area, you can call your diocese, you can look in the phone book, you can ask friends. Absolutely, I agree with that. I thank you for that comment, Lucille. Thank you. We have John from California, an email And he says, I was watching you on EWTN's Household of Faith series replay with Christine Franklin. One show, you spoke of vocations. Was that the time you thought of religious life? I enjoy your show. I watch every day. No, John, um, I thought of vocations long before that. And I've told the story that when I was 19 and Jewish in New York, 
and the habits in the middle of the miniskirt era, the nun's habits were shortened to knee length. Something electric went through me physically, and I, it had nothing to do with me, but it was my deep and immediate loss. I lost what wasn't mine, and on my way to the Catholic Church, a friend who knew I was looking into the Catholic Church uh, as an evangelical Protestant, and she was an evangelical Protestant, and she said, Roz, Rosalind, Rosalind Moss, my given name, Roz, if you become Catholic, you're not going to be a nun, are you? And I re- we were in a big rest salad restaurant, and I remember saying to her, Beth, I hadn't thought of that, but I said to her, could you see me walking through this uh, restaurant, huge restaurant, with a black and white habit to the floor. That's all I think I ever saw in Brooklyn growing up. I said, even if people think I'm a a mid-evil wacko, they have to think of God. Whatever they think of God, they have to think of God. And I think, John, it's from that point, I mean, I, I still had two and a half years to go in my journey to the Catholic Church. I couldn't imagine being Catholic, but I knew if I didn't look into it, I'd be turning from God, and that I won't do. And so... um But it was from that moment on that I never stopped longing to be a sign to God in the world. I longed to be a sign. Um, And then I went on, and then I became Catholic, and I longed to be in a habit. I longed, I would go all over the country and the world with Catholic answers, 50 conferences a year, whatever it was. And I'd go through airports, and I would say, what a waste. If only I was in a habit, I could be a sign to God. But I, I never believed I would follow through and become a nun. I couldn't imagine God would call such a one as me to be his bride. I just, I'm not the type. God knows that. He's not going to call me. And here I am. And walking through airports now, I'm ecstatic. I'm ecstatic. And everything I thought was true and more. Every, every, all eyes turn when they see a, a sister in full habit, and um, especially more than one sister at a time in full habit. And they smile, they come for prayers, some frown, blessed be God. They've still gotten the message. I, I am, I can pinch myself that I'm in this habit. I'm so happy about it. John, thanks so much, dear one. I don't even know when EWTN reruns those programs, but I'm, I'm glad they do. Christine and I had a wonderful time filming Household of Faith. <clears throat> And after that, we filled uh, an equal series now that we're Catholic. So we had a wonderful time. We have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, I'm, ret- I'm a returning Catholic after 35 years away and in evangelical churches. Station of the Cross, do you have bells to ring on that end? Oh, this is so great. I'm a returning Catholic after 35 years away and in evangelical churches. I'm going to get a little bell and keep it with me to ring that I love that. I God bless you and welcome home. Um, a few months ago, I decided to go back to church. I'm getting a great deal of pushback from my friends at a Baptist church I was attending, such as I'm leaving the truth, promoting pedophilia. Oh, it's a cult, giving the devil the victory, etc. It's very upsetting to me because I actually have thought all those things myself. I've gone to confession twice and attend Mass about four times a week and also read just about everything I can about returning to the Church. Can you give me any help or advice? Thank you for your concern um, and your love for all. God bless you. My dear one, God Bless you, and blessed be God that um, he's bringing you back home after 35 years. As I just said, I was an evangelical Protestant for, for 18 years and was brought into Christianity through evangelical Protestantism. I didn't even know what that was. I didn't even know what the Catholic Church was versus Protestant. I didn't know anything. I just knew I became a Christian, a follower of the Christ, the Jewish Messiah. But I learned after a while what I was in and that I was in a very anti-Catholicism Catholic Church. So... People also said, and I first um, was um, overwhelmed 
by the gospel at a Baptist church that I had visited. And so I understand people would tell me I'm leaving the truth and promoting pedophilia. Of course, the Catholic church, the priests are pedophiles. I mean, it's terrible, but it's all over the news. It's a small percentage, but a small percentage are hundreds. It's terrible. The worst crisis the church has ever been in. It's a cult. You know, and I used to say it's a cult. I used to teach people the Catholic Church was a cult until I realized that a cult is is a for, is a worship. It's a it's a um, uh, it's it's the the root of the word is worship, and the the word worship it was two words worthship. It is what something is worth, and so um, it's not. Uh, necessarily derogative to call something a cult. Um, People say the cult of Mary, and they say it derogatively. But all we're saying is not the worship of Mary, but uh, not the adoration of Mary that in the way we would adore God. But it is, properly could be said the worship of Mary, could be the worship of anybody. That is simply giving them their worth. But as the church, as people have come to use it in demonic terms, we don't say that anymore. So we say that we have great honor for Mary. We honor her above everyone except God himself, but above the whole race, because she's the only one without sin, chosen to be the mother of God. So, so I really understand giving the devil the victory. I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, the Catholic Church, I was taught, is, is Satan's... Um, Satan system, his playground, all of that. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. If you've been an evangelical all this time, it is upsetting because you thought those things yourself. It was upsetting to me, dear one, because I not only thought them, I believed them and I taught them every single week through Bible studies. I taught them. And so... um, We don't live in regret, even though we can regret those things, but we don't live in that regret, which will zap us of any um, strength to walk with God and follow him. So my advice, my dear one, is to um, assess on your own with you or with a priest or with a good Catholic friend, whatever it may be that's holding you back from returning to the church. You say you're a returning Catholic, but um, you, uh, I've gone to confession twice. Now, if you've already returned to the church, I don't, that's not clear here. You said I'm a returning Catholic. If you've already returned to the church, trust God who loves you, who loved you from the beginning, who will love you till the end, and who brought you home. And get a book that I recommended with the last uh, uh, emailer called Catholicism and Fundamentalism by Carl Keating, published by Ignatius Press. Probably the best book you can get on everything they're saying to you. Um, I can give you the history of that book. It's terrific. It helped me into the Catholic Church. And then I went to work for Carl Keating, who was an honorable, honorable man. Um, So if you're already back in the Catholic Church, make sure you don't miss a single Sunday Mass. Make sure, you know, I read the whole Bible through in becoming Catholic, and I saw it with Catholic eyes for the first time, for the first time. And so um, um, go to confession. The church doesn't require it other than once a year for mortal sin only, but I suggest no less than once a month. Um, it's not a should, but I, I think it's highly recommended. Um, so if you're already in the church, be very faithful and read the catechism. Read the early church fathers. Read everything you can to strengthen your faith. And then as far as your Protestant attacks, um, get Carl Keating's Catholicism and Fundamentalism. Uh, that was an answer to a thoroughly anti-Catholic book um, uh, that uh, all most of what uh, evangelical Protestants are taught, that Catholics worship Mary, that they worship statues, that uh, all this stuff, uh, is from that book. 
It's from that anti, it's called Roman Catholicism, and it's from that book, and it's complete heresy. It's made up. There's not, uh, the writer of that anti-Catholic book doesn't support anything of what he says. He just says it. And Carl Keating wrote Catholicism and Fundamentalism to combat that book and to give proof of the Catholic position. Carl really understands many people who fight Protestants, they don't understand where the Protestant is coming from. Carl does. He did his homework. That's the book to get. And the second book I would uh, suggest for you is a book that Patrick Madrid put together um, called Surprised by Truth. Patrick has done three volumes on that one. Um, The first volume is 11 Evangelical Ministers Who Became Catholic. It's outstanding. So make sure you have good Catholic friends, a good holy priest, and if you waver... If you, you don't know how to answer something, it doesn't mean it's, there's not an answer there. Get those books, read the Church Fathers, um, and have a, good, a few good Catholic friends around you, and, um, and good books to give to your Protestant friends. And one of them could be Catholicism and Fundamentalism. Another one, excuse me, would be Scott Hahn's Rome Sweet Home, which Scott and Kimberly Hart wrote together, and you might know that Kimberly was ready to divorce Scott. He was a Presbyterian minister, um, a seminary professor, and um, um, uh, and he left all of it to become Catholic, and his wife was horrified because as far as she was concerned, he was leaving Christ. And she actually, a very faithful uh, evangelical herself, um, Presbyterian, who her, who her father is, a, excuse me for these hiccups, father is, a, excuse me, a Presbyterian minister. Um, uh, she was ready to divorce Scott, and she came into the church with him. Um, so um, those are w- wonderful books. And if you haven't read Rome Sweet Home yourself, you might wish to do that. Okay. Um, ooh, we have... Oh, I'm sorry with these hiccups. We have several more, beloved. We're going to begin tomorrow with Amy, uh, with Amy's email. Um, And uh, she quickly says, I have a question. Should we always genuflect when entering and leaving a pure church? If the Blessed Sacrament is there, yes. We genuflect not because we're leaving or entering a pew, basically because we're in front of Christ. We're in front of God Almighty in the tabernacle. If the tabernacle is in another room, then you don't genuflect, but you bow to the altar. You make a 90-degree profound bow to the altar, but you bow only to Christ. And I've seen people come into a church where there's no tabernacle because it's in a side alt or side room, and they genuflect because they don't understand. We always genuflect to God. Always. Um... But I will, I will complete your email tomorrow, Amy. Um, we'll see you all tomorrow, or at least hear each other. God bless you, and love, love God without compromise, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength.